Welcome to the Music Reel. I'm your host, Nicola Burton. When I think country music in Australia, I think two words, James Blundell. And today I have the legend with me. James, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. How are you? Very well, thanks, Nick. And it's a pleasure to be face to face. It is so good after stalking you for so long. <laughs> it's lovely <laughs> to talk to you. Look, you have just come back from a weekend away in Man Isa. Now the gigs are actually starting again. I wanted to start there to talk about what it was like for you to be playing up there. And more importantly, how did the audiences respond after being so long without live music? Well, the, the first part is that I haven't had stage nerves for, I, I would say, 15, 20 years. But uh, our, our work, as did everybody else, stopped dead on the 15th of March. We played in Mullumbimby in New South Wales and then nothing until the 11th of September where we played in Mount Isa at the theatre up there because that was an open border. And then Mount Isa, we played in Caloundra on Thursday evening and, and Mount Isa was the third show in eight months. And no matter what, what happens uh, or, or how much you, you rely on muscle memory and all the things that go with a performance, which is very different to just sitting around at home playing guitar, got on stage feeling like a teenager again. <laughs> so, and it was a, a, to, to comply with the social distancing, it was a seated performance. But, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And it was just, I don't know, you forget so much about the, 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 the core of a live performance is the interaction between um, uh, the, the artist and the audience and vice versa. And it was great. Uh, in, uh, it, it, nobody's allowed to dance and everybody forgets that. And, you know, and by the end of it, you got people who couldn't help themselves, which is great fun. So, you know, going, oh, I don't want you to get into trouble. When we played in Caloundra on Thursday night, there were signs well posted around the thing saying a $6,270 fine for dancing. And I thought the, the world has definitely changed, hasn't it? Who would have thought that you would be fine for the amount of money? Because <laughs> when you start playing as a, an, you know, as a muso, you want to get people up and dancing. So it's so, it's an opposite of what we're used to doing. So you know, it's just insane. But I'm so glad you're actually out there playing again. It's been such a long time for so many of us. And the music reel is telling the story about the decimation of our industry. And you know, there's yeah. people with mortgages and businesses and families to feed who can't actually get out there and work the way that they used to. And the ALNBC are predicting that 70% of our businesses will be gone by Christmas if the government doesn't step in and help. So, you know, it's a lot of chatter about what the government needs to do. What are your thoughts on that, James? Be given that you've been in this industry for a long time, what do you think is needed to make sure we're not facing this extinction level event? Well, that's a great way to put it. Uh, I'm very fortunate in as much as I've lived my entire adult life in two incredibly fragile industries, which is running a property with and completely weather dependent and market dependent. And the music industry, which is, you know, it's uh, it's fickle at the best of times, but when you're told you actually can't fly your stock in trade, it's a bit of a shock. I, 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 again, in, in the primary industry, uh, Australia is unique and we have very little government support and assistance and it still managed to, to, to maintain a high export level and uh, uh, can continue literally against the odds to run uh, profitable businesses. And I, I think music's very much the same. Australia has always exported a lot of music. Uh, we are very innovative and, and I've always been proud of us as an industry that our, uh, uptake of innovation and, and tech advance has been one of the most voracious in the world because we're so used to having to send the music away. Uh, it, it would be wonderful uh, to have 
a degree of income support for musicians for the very reasons you just articulated that we're all pretty used to living on a shoestring, but when the shoestring snaps, it's a, it's a, it's a bleak thing. And if you really want to kill creativity, stress a musician out financially. And that that's a, the next thing that follows is that you either get a series of very, very depressing pieces of music or you get people who are so busy ex- coping with their day-to-day realities that the creative process stops. So any degree of stability will be of immense benefit to the creative process. Um, I've got a couple of sayings that I've heard over the years that, that I absolutely adore. One is imagine your life without its soundtrack. So if you extrapolate that, it's, it's imperative that music continues. Uh, unfortunately for all art, it seems to flourish under duress. So you, you will find that uh, pieces of music that probably would not have been written in happier times will appear. And that's good in as much as that you'll definitely get the uh, the despondent and and uh, dark side of the human condition, but you also get this wonderful release. I've always been fascinated by the fact that in global crises, first and second world wars, bigger war, any war, that that, that people lean on uh, the arts for their escape. So while it, it while having those stresses is 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 really really hard to live with. It actually drives the creative process, which sounds like I'm just completely uh, contradicting what I've said before, that it can it can, uh, it can stop people being creative. But those that keep going through it will usually come up with some pretty unique pieces. So it, it, it will be, it will be uh, as the French say, for the, uh, for the wine to prosper, the berry must suffer. So <laughs> the, the harder you stress your grapes, the better. The, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good one because... It, things things do well under pressure or, and arts do well under pressure. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much our, our normal anyway, but any any degree of assistance to take any stress off, that would be hugely appreciated. Uh, it's so great that you've ex- expressed it that way because, you know, there's so much uncertainty facing us from next year, but I'd like to think that that's an opportunity. You know, I know for, one, for every one person on stage, it takes a couple hundred people off stage to make it happen. But that's where a- would humanity be without its soundtrack? And the value of that is you can't actually put a price on that. So I'm hopeful that the governments are actually listening to us and will give us some additional support. But you're right, it's exactly the same as your life on the, on the, on the land, isn't it? It really is, you know, quite similar. And I wanted to actually talk about that, you know, during lockdown, you know, all we did was um, sit on our phones, right? We were just online. I was watching your social media and I felt so connected <laughs> to what you were doing because, you know, I live in the city it's a fantasy to live in the bush and you're, you're, you've got these photos of nature and family and the natural cycles of life. And it gave so much comfort to so many people. Um, you know, so I wanted to thank you for that. Do you, how do you feel about having that? It's almost in my perspective, this healthy lifestyle to help you balance the challenge of being a musician while you're in nature. Very much. Um, there's a couple of answers to that question and it's, it's very well phrased uh, the way you've put it. I feel blessed beyond belief to have had that reality to to uh, take my mind off the the, the hideous reality of, of not being able to work, and uh, uh, I, I feel a, a bit of survivor guilt in as much as that you know I'd be in one percent of the, the the Australian music industry who have something to do with their time outside, wondering when we're going to be able to play again. Secondly, uh, my fiance Rebecca, who's a, 
was enshrined in a song way back when called Down on the Farm because we were childhood sweethearts and then went through our various stages of life and reconnected 37 years later and, you know, aiming to marry in March, April next year, which in itself has been just a wonderful support during this period of time. But she was saying, I'm not quite sure. I can't put my finger on why your social media following has leapt up. It's because it's, uh, there's been no great output of music. That, and we discussed it at length. And you've said exactly what we arrived at, that it created a, a, a consistent uh, uplifting reality that's very simple. And I think one of the things we'll all take out of this period of time is getting back to what makes a happy life and, and what's necessary to be fulfilled. And I've been very concerned. One of the pieces of music forthcoming in the next body of work is a song called Jack and Jill that I wrote, I started to write years and years ago about the fact that, that mankind, that the, the race had pretty much painted itself into a corner where it was all atavism and all material uh, satisfaction and all the basic uh, fulfillments of, of personal happiness and family strength and uh, a lot of very traditional values had been displaced and this period of time for all the horror it's brought uh, will ha has really shone a light on the, the, the value of a, a simple fulfilled existence as opposed to forever chasing the big brass ring that seems to be perpetually out of reach uh, I had another great blessing in the, the eight months of, of no work and as much as it coincided with the end of my father's life and he and I were very, very close. And uh, I had two aims this year was to get him past his 84th birthday, which is on the 19th of February, and to get him through winter because he'd had a, a, a round of uh, pneumonia uh, during the summer of the year before and I was concerned that we were going to lose him then. But in effect, I wound up spending the eight months, the last eight months of his life with him on a day-to-day -day basis in, in his, his full care, to, you know, including having him home from hospitalisation that we thought might be the end of them. We had him home for a small period of time prior to going back into a facility that was the end of his life. But without what's happened during COVID, I would have been away for half, if not two-thirds of that. So to my dying day, I'll regard that as a, as a, a, a gift of, uh, in a measurable, immeasurable proportion. So for those two reasons, I'd probably be one of the few people who would look at COVID and say that it's, it's, it's actually brought some incredible blessings. Now, the flip side of that is that there was a uh, 22 days to, right towards the end of life when I couldn't see him because he was in a facility that just didn't, you, you could not enter. But then again, I was one of thousands of families going through the same thing. And when we proceeded to plan his funeral, we were only allowed 10 people at the start and then in the first week of planning that jumped to 30 by the time the funeral took place we could have had 100 people there but you can't do that on the run it's not something there's quite a bit of preparation goes into that final tribute and that made it very special too the people that attended that uh, were the nucleus of the people he'd loved most throughout his life and thankfully the facility that that went through had been dealing with COVID for the entire pandemic so they had a, a great streaming service so we could invite people to watch it there but I, I will never, never forget the fact that I had that period of time with him that wouldn't have been possible if I'd been doing three out of four weeks a month. How beautiful is that? I bet he was just yeah. also, it, it gave him the ability to pass peacefully because he had that time with you. And that's the thing about that's your story. Cool. It was so raw, so authentic, and it gave us hope that there is a life outside of the craziness that we've been living in the last you know, few years. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, if you, I mean, some of the photos that you posted, they're like album covers. I don't know who's taking them. <laughs> they're incredible. They, and it, well, for me, at least I felt such comfort from looking at these photos. They were just, it sort of made me think, 
what are you worried about? Look at the beauty of nature out there. Look at what we've actually got for free. What you've put your finger on is actually the thing that has been uh, the most gratifying in a 33-year career in as much as that the, I think the purpose of, of, of art is to communicate. Uh, all th throughout the entire uh, 33 years, I've always tried to write music that, uh, that included people in or, or helped them think outside their, their realities uh, and, and make them realise their options. Uh, one of the, 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 the most beneficial comments that people have made over the years is, look, I was going through a really bad period of time and one of your pieces of music really helped me. And what we've just been discussing is a, is a big extrapolation of that. It's got the vision that goes with it. And we were, were blessed. There was a not long after that had passed, we we're preparing stuff for the, um, for the funeral and we we're greasing his saddle, which was, you know, the, the only saddle he'd ever had. He'd bought it when he was a 22 year old and riding it until he stopped riding. And as Beck was taking that photo, a rainbow literally came down in the background and, and you couldn't script that shot if you tried. So it became a really valuable part of the whole process because we felt it was a sign that things were okay at his end. And, oh, you know, and, and it... thinking about it. it just, <laughs> it look, talking about photographs, I was speaking to Buzz Bidstrip yesterday. You remember Buzz? Uh, one of my dearest friends, <laughs> I love Buzz and don't see anything like enough of him. He said to me, whenever he sees a puffy white shirt, he thinks of you. Do you know that? <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> you want to tell that story? <laughs> oh, that's great. He's always been a very, very funny man. And funnily enough, his name has been floating around the house for a lot recently because my oldest son who plays in the Briar has been going back through back catalogue and wants to know who all the players were and and, and he never knew because Buzz played drums on my first album and it's, it's incredibly good. He's a very good player. And then, then when Briar found out that he was both the drummer in the Angels and Ganga Jang, Briar saw how can, so from a young artist's point of view, it was a great illustration about how broad a person's musicality can be. So Buzz is a very important person in my life, make no mistake, and I'll have to take him up on that. I shot an album cover for an album called Amsterdam Breakfast, and it was a, it was a departure album. And oh, I caught some flack for that because it was dressed in a really, really lovely black suit, cradling my oldest son, the bloke I was just talking about, in a sort of a throne-like armchair with a puffy white shirt. <laughs> That's a long way from what you're seeing today, which is actually who I am. <laughs> exactly. No, I love it. And look, James, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been great to hear your perspective. I think a lot of people will feel such hope after listening to the way you've described your last eight months. Now, anyone who wants to see James, he's actually performing this coming Saturday at the Strand Hotel in Yapoon. And we're lucky that our borders are closed because we get to keep you for a few months until they're open, which is great. So anyone who wants to see James, it's the Strand Hotel in Yapoon this Saturday. James, I'm so glad we actually finally got to have this chat. I really appreciate you adding your voice to this conversation. Thank you. My pleasure, Nikki, and you're doing a wonderful job bringing all this to people's attention because it's been a tough time for a lot of people, not just in the music industry, and we're all in it together. We're all in it together. See you next time, James. <laughs>